Thank you for listening to this message from Southridge Community Church, located in Clinton, New Jersey. We hope God speaks to you through this message today and that you find new ways to apply His Word to your life. Additional messages and more information can be found on southridgecc.org. So let's get started. Well, this morning we're excited to invite Carlos and Sandy Rios uh, to join us. Uh, Carlos and Sandy have a long history with Southridge, and we are really excited for them. They're presently serving in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, you had mentioned first service, your, your service in Guadalajara is probably happening right now. Right now, yes. And uh, so why don't we just welcome Carlos and Sandy this morning. <laughs> Great to have you with us. As I mentioned, uh, Southridge has a long history with you. Uh, Sandy, it's 40-some years ago. Uh, you were actually serving women in Japan, and Southridge was supporting you at that point. Uh, and then you and Carlos got married and have been in, in ministry in Mexico, get that out, uh, for a number of years. Tell us a little bit about your stories, both of you. Sure. I grew up in Clinton, New Jersey, and in a non-Christian home, but I had cousins that went to this church and invited me to vacation Bible school every summer, and it was the only time I heard about Jesus. I was in eighth grade. It was the last opportunity to go to VBS, and that pastor invited me to come to church. At the age of 13, I was saved, and that pastor gave a call to anyone who wanted to serve the Lord full-time, and I felt like the Lord had given his life for me. I could give my life to help others come to know him. This church really was a place where I grew. I was baptized over there, sang in the choir over in the other building. We had our wedding reception in the gym, and we had our girls in Crossroads at one home assignment. And then and when my mom passed away, Nathan did the service down on the in the cemetery in Lee Street. This church helped me to uh, encourage me to go to Philadelphia College of Bible. And then after graduating, I went with team to Japan and when I was just 24. Wow. And as for me, I grew up in Colombia, South America. I came to the U.S. to study, but it wasn't really the reason why I came. I came here to know Jesus Christ in a personal, say, in a personal way. So I became a believer with somebody inviting me to go to a home Bible study. And they explained to me the gospel for the first time in my life. Then I went to Mexico several summers just for summer work, mission trip. In one of those mission trips, I felt like God called me to, be, to become a missionary. So I went to Columbia Bible College and Seminary in Columbia, South Carolina to get my training. So I joined team. But there in the school, I met my first wife. My first, we were married. We, we went to Mexico in 1990. But in, in a Thanksgiving day of 1994, she died of spinal meningitis. She went to be with the Lord, and I was left with two girls, one five and a half, and the, the youngest one was almost two years old. And then later, my mother-in-law introduced me to Sandy. We got married, and we went to Mexico in 1996 uh, to continue planting churches. And now, we planted a church in Los Cabos. Now they have a Mexican pastor, so now we are planting another church in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, a big theme of your ministry throughout the years and something that you're going to be sharing about this morning is that God will make a way. Uh, just how have you seen that proven to be true uh, in your lives and in your ministry? Well, when uh, <clears throat> COVID came, we had to close the door, uh, the door church, uh, the doors of the church. But the church is us, not the building. So God opened ways by uh, allowing us to do uh, Facebook Live and also having the meetings, Bible studies, and the, and the Sunday services on Zoom. And, that's, and then also another thing that uh, God opened a way in the old place where we were working before there in Guadalajara, people were not very receptive. And then God moved us to a new location, and we rented a bigger building. And that was a way that God just made for us. He opened the way. So that when the government say, okay, now you can meet only 50% of the people, but 50% wasn't, didn't make any difference to us because we were so small. So um, God opened the way for us to have more space. And that was a, a blessing. 
obviously, like everybody else, you guys had to make a lot of adjustments during COVID season, just like you mentioned. Uh, what are some of the challenges that you experienced, and how did you guys, how did you see God working during that time, even during just such a, a weird off season? Okay. Well, the Lord opened the door for internet ministries, virtual ministries, and with the global pandemic, we found we had the global gospel. We were not limited to just our neighborhood, but God opened up the doors across the world, and we taught the Bible in other states and in other countries, and Carlos's sisters, four of them, were saved through the ministry on the internet. They live in Aruba, and he'd shared the gospel with them for 40 years and so it was just such a blessing. And then also the Lord opened up an uh, alpha marriage course. And we had 28 couples from five different countries of the world. So it was just like the Lord expanded the ministry instead of the restrictions that were supposed to make it mm-hmm. less, made it greater. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to say hello to you in just a second. And you had mentioned that your congregation wanted to say hello to our congregation here as well. And uh, the congregation sent a letter to the church, and Mm -hmm. I asked Pastor Nathan to read the letter. We are just, again, thankful for the partnership we've had for so many years. Uh, Here is the card that the church in Guadalajara sent for us. Let me take a moment. It has a picture of their congregation on the front, all of them pictured. And in the inside, it says this. We thank the Lord for you and for your love and generosity toward us by sending Pastor Carlos and Sandy. Uh, Through them, we've experienced God's love for us. Also through them, we've been blessed and encouraged to keep standing firm in our faith and to share our faith with others. We are thankful for your sacrificial and faithful financial and prayer support to help establish the church here in Guadalajara, Mexico. Your giving is precious in the Lord's eyes and in our eyes too. The living God who created all things sees your generous sacrifices and they are sweet-smelling aroma to him. Your giving is sowing seeds of great value because it will reap an eternal harvest. The seeds we are reaping here in Guadalajara are producing eternal fruit. Because of your help in sowing the seed, more people will be going to heaven. We appreciate you so very much. All praise and glory to Jesus Christ. We look forward to meeting you again one day in heaven. In Christ's love, Comunidad Biblica Rios de Agua Viva. I can almost speak Spanish, huh? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks to that church for sending us this. Also, we want to say a hello to them. And so uh, somebody's going to pop up out here in the baptistry and take a picture of us and all of you together. And it's going to be a short video as well. And so we're going to say, God bless you. Tell us how to say that in Spanish. Okay, you can say God, uh, Dios, Dios. Say Dios les, les, les bendiga. bendiga. Dios les bendiga. Dios les bendiga. One more time. Dios les bendiga. We all got that? And by the way, yeah. um, in a bit, um, Carlos is going to speak in English. And he says that's kind of a challenge for him because he's so used to Spanish and that's his first language. They tell me, like, I have a hard time speaking in English, too. So, <laughs> just, uh, so why don't we, so smile big. You, those of you watching online, smile. We'll see your smiles. And uh, wave. And what are we going to say at the count of three? Dios, Dios les bendiga. All right. You all ready? Let's, we'll turn around. Yes. yes. And uh, one, two, three, everybody wave and say, Dios les bendiga. Say it again. Dios les bendiga. Awesome. Thank you so much. Once again, uh, we're really thankful to have uh, Carlos teach us this morning. And uh, great to have you and Sandy with us. God bless, brother. Thank you so much. Praise God for allowing us to be here this time with you. We were planning to come last year, but because of COVID, we just couldn't come. And that was one of the reasons. The other reason was because we didn't have enough leaders to take over the church so that we could come. And now we do. God provided. God made a way for us to be able to come. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. But I want to ask you a question before I start. How many of you ever face a Red Sea experience? How many of you 
ever found yourselves in a dead end. Like there is no way. There is no room. I cannot take a step forward. And everything around is so negative. And everything around is like, a, they are my enemies. And the enemies can be anything. The enemies can be health issues. Or an enemy can be financial problems. An enemy can be a family situation. An enemy can be pressures at work. They become our enemies. Difficulties, problems with other people, or even children that had gone astray from the Lord, that had gone away from God, or losses, especially now with the COVID situation. Some of us, and probably many of us, have experienced some loss of a loved one, or a friend, a co-worker because of COVID. And those I call Red Sea experiences. It seems that there is no way. What should we do? So the passage that I'm going to be talking about today is based in uh, Exodus chapter 14. Um, but God's, God's ways are beyond our imagining. And we have experienced that over and over in ministry. We found ourselves, well, what, what, what should we do? There's nothing else to do. And then God makes ways for us to be able to walk through. So today, I'm going to be talking about how God prepares the, the, the whole setting. He makes the whole setting for the Red Sea experience with his people in the book of Exodus chapter 14. And the second part of the message today is the response of the people, the response of the Israelites, the response of Moses, and the response of God to the Red Sea experience. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. So I would like to pray and ask God to open our hearts. Because I believe that he has something very special to tell us through these passages. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, so much for your word. Your word is true. And thank you, Father, because that is, your word is like our GPS. It tells us what to do, where to go, when to go. Thank you so much for the Holy Spirit that is in us. I pray that you will open our hearts. Make our hearts sensitive to your word. And Father, I don't know in what red experience uh, we find ourselves today. But you do, and you will make a way as you did for your people in the Old Testament. As you do, did it for them, you will do it for them. So please speak to our hearts. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So I want to tell you a little bit about the setting first, how God orchestrated everything for this before the Red Sea. Uh, the, God's people went to that very critical, difficult moment of the Red Sea. The setting is, in a big nutshell, God sent Joseph and his family to Egypt because God was going to sustain his family from this famine. They were favored by Pharaoh. The Pharaoh at that time was a good friend, let's say, was on their side, and he provided everything for them. Now, later came a new Pharaoh. And he didn't know Joseph, or Joseph's family. And when this Pharaoh saw that the Israelites were growing in numbers like crazy, he was afraid. They're going to be more like us. They're going to take over. I got to do something. So Pharaoh increased the oppression on God's people, trying to control their multiplying population. So he said, I want to kill all the babies, uh, uh, male babies, Israelites. And that's how I'm going to control their, uh, their growth, the numerical growth. At that time, the scripture says, if we go back in Exodus chapter 2, verse 25, says that God looked down on the people of Israel, and he saw, he knew that it was time to act. Remember, God orchestrates Everything that happened before, during, and after. So, 
God acts on behalf of the, uh, in the right time also. So God not only prepared the setting, but God prepared Moses for the Red Sea experience. God chose, chose Moses to lead the children of Israel out of slavery and to guide them to the promised land. God's preparation of Moses was very, very different. It wasn't like the way we do it. If we go back and look at Moses from the very beginning when he was a little child, Moses was saved by his mother putting him in a little basket in the Nile River. You all remember the story. I mean, how many mothers would put the, your baby on, on a basket on a river? But that was God's way. Who could have imagined that God would have Moses raised as an adopted son of Pharaoh, the very man who became his enemy? That was God's way. Could anyone have imagined that God would allow Moses to try to bring about justice for his people by killing an Egyptian? Could anyone have imagined that God will use killing that Egyptian to send Moses into the wilderness for 40 years for training? How many here would like to go to the wilderness for training? Could anyone have imagined that God will be burn, uh, use a burning bush to call Moses at the age of 80 to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Then, when Moses protested, and he said, God, God I, I cannot do this. I cannot even talk, you know. And I, I, I believe that uh, many of us are very good in giving excuses. To God. But Moses tried that, but it didn't work. Because God said to him very clearly, He showed him, he, he reassured him. He said, You know, number one, I'm gonna be with you. What's the problem? I'm gonna be with you. What else do you need? The gray I am was going to be with Moses. Number two, I'm gonna give you an instrument. What is the instrument? The instrument was Moses' shepherd's stuff, the stuff of God to perform miracles. And God used that even before. And God did miracles through that shepherd's staff. And thirdly, God gave him Aaron, his speaker. I, I don't know how to talk. Okay, here, Aaron, he's going to talk for you. So he didn't need any, anything. He had everything that he needed in order to be able to accomplish the job that God called him to do. But you know what? In the same way, God gives us the same things that we need today so that we can accomplish whatever ministry God has for each one of us. Number one, his presence. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. Amen? Not amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is with us. Number two, he gave us an instrument. Now, what instrument he gave us? Well, he gave us gifts, abilities through the Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish the work that he calls us to do. Now, your call may be different than mine. Mine is to go and plant churches. Mine is to go and tell people about Jesus in Mexico. And then God gave us teammates. You are not by yourselves. Just look around. There are other brothers and sisters in Christ. What do you need? Do you need to talk to somebody? You have it right here. Talk to the pastor. Talk to the elders. Talk to the leaders of the church. Talk to a mature believer who will help you face whatever situation you may find yourself in. Um, so God allowed us or gives us everything that we need in order to be able to accomplish the job that he calls us to do. Now, God gave a job to, Mo uh, to Moses. He said, tell Pharaoh. Let my people go. So Pharaoh, uh, uh, Moses went, let my people go. No. Pharaoh answered. He refused. Let my people go. No, wait, Jose. I'm not going to let them go. Finally. He said, okay, you can go. But 
He changed his mind very quickly. He changed his mind. He wasn't going to let them go. You see, but Pharaoh didn't, didn't know that he was saying no to God. He thought that he was saying no to Moses, to, the, to a person. But in reality, he was telling no to God. Now, when we tell no to God, we are in trouble. <laughs> you and I, when I say no to God, when I, when I don't do what he calls me to do, I'm in trouble. I'm telling God, you know, hey, you're wrong. You know, I know what I'm doing. And I'm sure that some of us have gone that way, which is the wrong way. But and then Pharaoh regret, regretted his decision, and he went after the, the Israelites. He wanted to kill them. And the Israelites found them, themselves in a very difficult situation. A whole army right there. See, the 600 best men, the chariots of Pharaoh were right there, along with all the rest of the chariots and all the, the forces in his army. All the Egyptian army was going after the Israelites. And then there was the Red Sea. Nowhere to go. The army behind, the Red Sea in front. But God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And this is, now we're going to see how the children of God responded to that situation. In Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 to 12, says, As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, look up and panic when they saw the Egyptian overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord, verse 11, and live, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. It's not my version. It's the New Living Translation. And they said to Moses, why did you bring us up here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough grace for us in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves of the Egyptians. It is better to be a slave in Egypt than a dead body in the wilderness. That's what they said. So we, here we can see that God's people, number one, they were panicked and they were afraid. Now, to be afraid is not sin. It's sin. It's not simple. God created us as a protection. You know, when we get afraid, you know, we stop and think and see what we can do, right? But the other problem, they were not only in panic and fear, but they were complaining. Another problem. And that's probably bigger, because when we complain, we, we are questioning God. We are telling God, you know, hey, you, you know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing, excuse me. The Israelites ask, why? Why? Don't we sometimes, or maybe just me, I'm probably the only one in this room, that when I go through a difficult situation, why, Lord? Why me? Has anybody have gone through that way? Why me? Ask that question. I think that most of us, probably most of us, have gone that way. Why? Why? But the question that I have is, what is your reaction to your Red Sea experience? And I'm sure that we all face Red Sea experiences. Does your heart will fill with fear or panic? Or will you complain that the, like the Israelites? Do you want to stay in your comfort zone? Do you want to stay as a slave of sin? Do you want to, don't you want to change? You just want to stay the way you are? In verse 13, chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. But Moses told the people, now we're going to see the reaction of Moses. We saw the reaction of, of uh, the Israelites. Panic, fear, and complaint. That was the people of God. Now, the reaction of Moses, he says in verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians, you see today, you will never see them again. 14, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. That's what Moses, that was the reaction of Moses. 
So in contrast with the fear, the panic, and the complaining, the complaining of the people, Moses commanded they, them to act differently. Moses commanded them to not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Now, that's easy to say, isn't it? But it's hard to not be afraid when you know that your job may be, you know, you may lose your job or that the, doc the doctor will come with bad news for your health, about your health. That's not easy. It's a big giant that we have in front of us. And it's natural to be afraid. If we look in the Bible, King David, he was afraid. And he was <laughs> escaping the, from this persecution for many years. But you know what he said? In Psalm 56, verses 3 and 6 and 9, it says, But when I'm afraid, this is King David talking, I will put my trust in you, verse 4. Psalm 56, verse 4. I pray, praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can a mere mortals do to me? My enemies will retreat then, will, re, will retreat when I call to you for help. This I know, God is on my side. God is on my side. I would like you to repeat that, that phrase. God is on my side. Now, do you believe it? God is on our side. We better believe it. But sometimes it's hard to believe it, isn't it? Especially when we are in, that, in front of that Red Sea. God is on our side. And if God is on our side, who can be against us? So trusting is a decision that we have to make. You can make a decision to trust God and not to trust God. To trust God or trust men. Now, moving from fear to faith is also a decision. And God wants us to take that decision from fear to faith. God knows what he's doing. I don't understand, but he knows what he's doing. And then, so do you tell the Lord, the Lord your fears when you feel in that position? What do you do with your fears when you find yourself in front of that Red Sea? Do you choose to believe God will help you? Do you uh, intentionally remind yourself of God's promises that God is with you. I remember when my first wife died, we were in La Paz, Baja California uh, Sur, South, and um, I was in the, on the, sitting on the floor in the hospital, and my wife was dying. So I had a little conversation with God, and I said, God, I don't understand this. My wife is leaving me. She's dying. Uh, she died of a spinal meningitis, as I mentioned before, and she's leaving me. But if I understand the word, your word, the Bible, you are with me. And I felt his presence. I felt like he was with me. He never left me. And yes, my wife went to be with the Lord on a Thanksgiving day of 1994. We got to the hospital about noon, and by 5 o'clock, she went to be with the Lord. Now, it, it was painful, of course. Fears, of course. But I say, I don't understand, God, but I know that you are with me. What else do we need? If God is with us, what else do you need? Do you need anything? Let, let's make a list. No, what else do we need? Well, I need peace. You got it. He's with you. I need security. Right there. He, you got it. He is with you. You don't have to look anywhere. You don't have to try to find it with your own strength. No, he's there with you. So Moses also commanded them to trust the Lord who will do, who will fight for them. God will fight for his people. 
I don't know how many of you have seen those uh, uh, clothing or t-shirts where it has a sign like, keep calm. And uh, you know that keep calm and carry on was a poster produced by the British government in 1939 in preparation for, for World War II. The poster was intended to encourage the British people who were facing the danger of mass air attack on their largest cities. But God was the original author of the Keep Calm. Did you know that? God was the, the author of that Keep Calm expression. His complete phrase says, Keep calm. And watch the Lord fight for you. That's what the word of God says. In Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46, 10. I love that verse. That help, verse has helped me a lot. Be still and know that I am God. But now, that is not easy to do. To be still and let God do it or God work. I don't know about you, but for me, it is. But, the, you know, the British government had their limitations. They cannot control their people. But God, who is all-powerful, he can help us to stay calm. And I remember one time when a church member acted like my worst enemy, and he started attacking me verbally. He was saying things that didn't make any sense. But I prayed, God, help me. That was a short prayer. I was, you know, like in, the, in front of the Red Sea. I had this enemy, and then I had the, the, the Red Sea. Well, God helped me not to say anything to this man. And a younger believer, a very young believer, saw me. He saw the way I acted. And even after today, he tells other people, the pastor didn't open his mouth. And God defended him. God defended me that day, and that is, it works. It works. When we let God defend us, we got the victory. When we try to defend ourselves, oh boy, we're in trouble, probably in bigger trouble than before. So there was a big difference between the response of the Israelites and the response of Moses. The Israelites respond with fear, panic, and complaints. Moses said, no, no to fear, and trusted that God will fight for him. Um, I just want to, it depends how you see it, how you see the Red Sea experience. I just happened to see a magnifying glass here. I don't know how it got there. It even has a light, but it doesn't work. But that's okay. It depends how you see the situation. When you see the enemy, all the negative stuff, all the fears, all the complaints, you are magnifying the enemy. But when you look at God, the all-powerful God, your creator, your loving heavenly father, when you look at him with a magnifying glass, every time you look at him, the enemy is going to look smaller, smaller, smaller. And God is going to look more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. But many times we focus on the enemy. And we magnify the enemy. Why don't we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ? In him, we can get the victory. The enemy, we're going to start complaining. Why me? You know, why this? Why not her? Why not him? Why me? But when we focus on Jesus, we got the right vision. We see things the way God sees things. And we, his name will be magnified. Uh, the response of the Lord. So we have seen the response of the Israelites, the response of Moses. Now we're going to see the response of God. Verse 15, Exodus 14, chapter 14, verse 15 and 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying, crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Verse 16, pick up your stuff and raise your hand over the sea. So, what can we learn from here? That God expects the participation of his children when he makes a way. He just doesn't want us to stay there and do nothing. 
He wants us to be part of his work. He called us to be part of his work. So get moving. Do not stay still. Stand still. When God makes a way, you better start walking. But you know what the problem is? Some people want to get the second step without taking the first one. I remember in the church in, in, in Guadalajara, I said, Pastor, why don't we talk about the second coming of Christ and the book of Revelations and how it's that going to be? I said, well, we're going to get there. But let's make sure that you're safe, that you, that you know Jesus. Before I, I will teach you, I will teach you about his second coming and how is that going to be, the tribulation and all those things. But, you know, God is a God of order. So Moses was to raise up his stuff over the sea. And Moses took the action, and he did. And then God worked in a miracle way. In chapter 14, verses 21 of Exodus, 21 and 22, the Lord opened up the path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry, dry land, verse 22. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Now, to me, that's the biggest earth dryer in the world, you know, to dry the bottom of the sea. But that is something very interesting. God opened a way for us with this COVID-19 so that we can minister to even more people. Remember I told you that the government told us you had to close the doors of the building. You cannot meet. And, but, you know, the, the building is nothing. It's just a building. The church is us. So we continue meeting through Zoom and Facebook. And more people were getting to know about Jesus. And Christ was, uh, has been glorified even in a bigger way. But let me, let me go on because the time is flying. God uses even his enemies to accomplish his ways. Remember, the, the, the Pharaoh and all his army was going after the children of God. But God used that to bring all this army into the middle of the sea and close the water. And they, as we read, they never saw those Egyptians ever again. Isn't God powerful? God can do a miracle. He can open a way for us, and then he can close other ways to accomplish his work. God is always leading us, even when we don't feel his presence. Not long ago, I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, he said, Carlos, he lost his wife about a year and a month ago. Carlos, I don't feel God's presence. This is too painful. I miss my wife. And I said, brother, I know a little bit about how you feel. I remember those days. Very dark. It's like a dark cloud on top of you that it doesn't allow you to feel God's presence. Yeah, that's how I feel. But let me tell you something. Even though I did not feel God's presence during those painful days, God was there. He was working. In the same way, God was working God was preparing the way. When, the, when God's people got to this, to this point, God, it says that God went to the back of, the, uh, of, the, of his people, the, the camp, and he was protecting the people from being attacked at this moment while he was also working in front of them, opening the Red Sea. So even though sometimes we don't feel that God is with us or God is working for us, the news is that he is, even though we do not feel. I remember one time uh, a lady in the church said, Pastor, I just, my boss is making my life impossible. I don't know what to do. Uh, and I said, well, maybe let me pray. God can do something. And then she said, oh, you mean God is going to kill him? I said, no, 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 no. No, no, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, well, maybe, I don't know. But... And then, and then I, we pray. Sandy and I pray. Two weeks later, she came and said, wow, God answered your prayers. And I said, did he die? No, 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 no. He didn't die. He lost his job. He was moved. Uh, uh, he was taken away. God answered your prayers. 
So God is with us. Amen? Do you believe that? When you go through hard times, when you are in front of that Red Sea experience, it may be an illness, it may be whatever situation, financial situation, God is with you. Just keep that in mind. And even though sometimes it's hard to believe it, but he is with you. Now, at this point, I would like to invite the worship team, and I want to read something for us today in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. I'm going to read several verses, but I believe that God is speaking to us today through the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And let me start reading. And when I get done, the worship team is going to sing a song that goes along with everything that we have been talking about this morning. It says in 43.1, Isaiah 43, but now all believers, and I like to make the Bible personal, you know, like a God is talking to me. Don't you like to read the Bible that way? I love that, to do it that way. So let's do it that way. But now all believers of South Ridge Community Church, hey, God is talking to us. Listen to the Lord who created you, all saints of South Ridge Community Church. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid. But I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is God talking to us. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. In the second half of verse 4, you are precious to me. This is God talking to us. You are honored, and I love you. Verse 14, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord who open a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. Now let's listen to this song. I'm gonna invite you guys to stand and sing with us this, this morning. And I'm standing up here because we're gonna be singing in Spanish, the first verse and chorus, okay. but I'm sure you guys know the song, so you can feel free to sing in English, Spanish, any language that you know.
fuerzas, luz en tinieblas, mi Dios, así eres tú. Then if you can pray that God will send more leaders to the church and a pastor, somebody that will take my place so that maybe we can start another church. And the second prayer request is that God will help us to, as we're getting closer to, the, to retirement, uh, there are many decisions that we have to make. But in the meantime, well, we want to finish well with this church. We ask that you would pray for our last term to be especially fruitful. And then as we continue on visiting churches, we'll be here until November 1st and then heading down to the south and visiting churches there. And then January 11th, we'll be returning to Mexico. And we do appreciate your prayer for our church in our absence. Yeah. I'm going to pray for Carlos and Sandy. Um, before I do that, Carlos, if you could pray for our congregation as well. I pray for those who are experiencing walls or obstacles, um, that they would trust God in that, that God's healing hand would be in that, that they would see God's way in that. Uh, so if you could pray over our congregation, and I'd love to close by praying over you and Sandy. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, you know each one of us here today and those who are on Facebook Live. You know each one of our names. We want to thank you today because you are a miracle worker. You can do miracles when we see that there is no way to, to take another step. And you are there making a way for each one of us every day in our lives, Lord Jesus. You know the needs. I pray for that each one of us today will feel your presence, especially during those times of hard times, difficulties, times of sickness, times of uncertainties. I pray that each one of us will feel your presence 
even when we don't feel it. In Jesus' precious name. Lord, I pray for our brother and sister, Carlos and Sandy. I thank you for them. Thank you for their service to you. Lord, I pray that you would raise up additional leadership at a church in Guadalajara. I pray that you would even provide a pastor to fully take over that church and carry it on, uh, possibly releasing Carlos and Sandy to plant yet another church. Just thank you for their passion to do that. We pray for your body of Christ in Mexico, that it would thrive, that it would be strong. Pray for Carlos and Sandy as well as they travel over the season of being home. Uh, give them safety as they travel. May your hand be upon them. May they bless churches. May churches bless them. Father, we pray also for them as they enter back into this potentially final season of serving you in Mexico. This last chapter, we pray that you would cause it to be especially fruitful. Uh, we just pray for all of the just challenging and emotionally even challenging and difficult things. They just kind of are at a place where they've invested so many years. And we pray that your hand would be on them as they anticipate and start thinking and planning about retirement. Give them wisdom in that as well. Let's pray that this next section of years that your hand would be on them in a, strain, in a strong and powerful way, uh, that you would cause their work to be fruitful, that you would cause their souls and spirits to thrive in you, even in this final chapter of service in Mexico. Lord, thank you that you are a God that is with us at all times, as Carlos taught and as we sang that you are with us, your faithfulness, your mercy, your grace, your compassion is toward us. We're thankful that that is true, that the person of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, and everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Well, God bless everybody. If you could join me in thanking Carlos and Sandy for being here.